welcome to another edition of Headline Central, a Central Michigan Life news podcast covering topics relevant to Central Michigan University and its community. I'm Editor-in-Chief Dominic Mistrangelo. And I'm Opinion Editor Ben Solis. We're joined on today's program by, pres- by the President of Central Michigan University, Dr. George Ross. Thank you so much for joining us today, President Ross. Dominic and Ben, I thank you for having me. Yes, we're very excited. Ben and I have a number of topics we'd like to discuss today, so we'll jump right in. You don't have to spend a lot of time on a college campus to know that it takes a great deal of effort to be a university president. With that in mind, can you explain for students who might not know exactly what your job entails? (laughs) Well, actually, uh, I've been asked that before. I've been asked by students, uh, uh, how do you become president of one of the largest universities in the country? And and my uh, pretty standard answer, true answer, is I'm a 35-year overnight success. (laughs) <laughs> I've been working at it a while at various institutions. Um, president, uh, leadership role. Uh, someone said to me, I'm the face of the university uh, in, in many respects, uh, academically, uh, uh, student service and support, um, a face to our alumni, to our fundraising, to our corporate partners, uh, providing leadership and direction. Uh, with over 2,500 people working at CMU and I have 217,000 bosses who are alumni of this university, uh, defining the vision, the direction of the university, providing uh, and identifying, providing strong leadership team. You don't lead an organization like Central Michigan University by yourself. So it's, it's key people in slots from the VPs to the deans to the associate deans to the student leaders to the alumni leaders, but really coordinating a team effort uh, pushing the university forward, um, and always keeping our eye on our number one responsibility, and that's our students and the success of our students. How has that changed over the years, some of those things? I don't know that it's changed. I think it's become more complicated uh, with the headwinds that we face, the challenges to our university, to all universities, particularly state universities, uh, funding challenges, technology challenges, preparedness of high schoolers coming uh, to our campus, um, competition. So hasn't changed. It's become, I think, more complicated given uh, all the other things going on around us. Yeah, and the dynamic is constantly changing. Um, I'm not, but if I was a first-year student here at CMU in my first semester this fall, what's something that the administration is working on this academic year specifically that I should get excited about? You know, uh, I've I've talked to students often. I've talked to both of you as undergrads at this university. We've had one-on-one personal conversations. Uh, I have those whenever I get an opportunity to meet students, including new students. Uh, My my number one message is you're here to get your education. You're here to study. You're here to go to class. You're here to do your homework and hold us accountable for that. Uh, But I want new students this semester to be excited about the fact that at CMU that we're raising the bar academically and that the rigor of our coursework, our program work, continues to increase year after year, and it's done that again this year. Uh, our, um, the academic uh, qualifications of our students have, this is an all-time high at CMU, and uh, the, the coursework that we're providing, the tutors, uh, the mentorship of faculty members, but I will say to that students, the rigor of this university academically will prepare you for your career and for your life. Good to know. We'll move to life off campus next really quickly. Uh, Recently, students living north of campus specifically have had some complaints about their experiences with local law enforcement and city residents. This year, city police issued four times as many citations for nuisance parties than the year before. Meanwhile, city commissioners have voiced some concern about student behavior in that same area. Do you personally receive any feedback from city residents about student behavior? I do. And what do they say? 
there are there have been incidences, um, particularly around opening weekend, uh, that uh, local residents uh, have had ch- challenges and problems with. Frankly, that the police have had challenges and problems with. Uh, I've spoken to student leaders. Um, in fact, I spoke to student leaders as late as last week around some of the challenges that we place face. And it's not all the students of Central Michigan University. But I'll be honest with you, there are some students out there who've gone and acted um, not only outside the law, but outside of what I want students, faculty, and staff to act like in presenting values of this university. It only takes a few. You're only talking about a few. And then all of a sudden, it's all of CMU. That's not us as a university. Uh, respect is one of our values. And part of that respect is respecting property. Uh, when I talk to students about having fun versus uh, the statue just gave me about tickets being written up, you wouldn't do that in your home neighborhoods, some of the things that happen north of the campus. Uh, so I think it's a learning opportunity as we all mature. But I think uh, the residents of Mount Pleasant uh, in these communities deserve respect for property and for people. Uh, that's a value I want all CMU students, faculty, staff, an alumni to honor. Do you feel that you or the CMU administration as a whole should play a role in city-student relations? Of course. Uh, I'm the face of the university. (laughs) Whether it's city-student relations, whether it's uh, corporate relations with the recruiters who come to our campus and recruit recruit students uh, for careers, uh, whether it's uh, relations with the federal and state government on research, of course we do. Do you have any advice for students on um, perhaps how to be a better neighbor or uh, resolve conflict with the people in town if a situation should arise? Again, it's my understanding and belief. It's uh, a, a number, from a number standpoint, a minority of, of knuckleheads. I don't know if I can say that on the air. It's not representative of the student body at Central Michigan University. Again, respect your neighborhood's as you would respect the neighborhoods in which you live at home and where your parents and your brothers and sisters and uncles and aunties live. Respect it as if it's your neighborhood. That's all I would say. Sounds like we're going to come back on campus, huh, Ben? Yeah, we are. And uh, a few weeks ago, the university unveiled its $95 million biosciences building. What impact will a facility like that have on us and affect us on campus? Well, the biosciences building has been 14 years in the making. It's uh, state-of-the-art. It is a as you just quoted, the largest capital project in the history of our university. Uh, But it's more than that. It's the opportunity for our students and our faculty uh, to do cutting-edge research in the biological sciences. And that, I mentioned earlier, uh, the academic rigor of our university, that helps raise that rigor uh, with the world-class research that we're doing in that building. We'll also affect not only the state, but the country. We're doing cutting-edge research in the Great Lakes uh, right here at Central Michigan University and out in Lake Michigan at Beaver Island. So that facility and facilities like us raises that level of research. In that building, it's more than biology. Uh, Our College of Medicine will be coming engaged uh, with faculty members over there. Our College of uh, Science and Technology scientists outside of biology will be partnering in that building. So it's an opportunity to learn and through research and creative activity, we learn. That building is an opportunity to learn. Wonderful. And are there any other major building projects on the horizon? Well, actually, uh, the state of Michigan approved a $26 million project for an integrated 
health services building. Actually, it's the next major project. Uh, we'll start planning on that facility this fall, and um, we could probably be under construction in about another 18 months. My goodness. Wonderful. And, uh, you know, CMU recently earned full accreditation uh, from the Higher Learning Commission. Uh, can you explain to students what the importance is for a university to be accredited? Well, actually, it was a reaffirmation of accreditation. Mm -hmm. uh, the Higher Learning Commission is our, 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 our regional accrediting body. There are four regional accrediting bodies across the country for uh, really all the universities in America, all four and a half thousand. And uh, the Higher Learning Commission is the accrediting body for Central Michigan. So uh, they visit every 10 years, and they really accredit the total university and the quality of our academics, the quality of our uh, financial stability, uh, the, the quality of our faculty, students, our quality is what they're assessing. Uh, with this reaffirmation of accreditation, which will uh, give us 10 years through 2025, 2026, uh, there's something called a federal compliance document, which has to be met in order for us to keep receiving dollars for student federal financial aid. On our campus, that's $300 million a year. Uh, there are 23 measures, and the highest measure CM received on all 23 of those attributes. I'm proud of that. It's the faculty, it's the staff, it's the students, it's the alumni. Uh, they talk to people in the community. That's why those relationships are important. So it's really an attest, a test to CMU's quality in the classroom, outside of the classroom, the teachers that teach you, and you as students, frankly, which I'm proud of, what you do also in those classrooms. Can we talk about sports really quick? Dominique, I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, I want to turn briefly to... I saw you at the Loons game, so I'm not surprised. Oh, yeah, neither are we. <laughs> no, so. I don't think anybody is at this point. Okay. Um, but turning briefly to intercollegiate athletics, our CMU football team, uh, they've had a pretty impressive uh, attendance figure uh, so far this season, especially in the student section, right? Um, I want to ask you, when you're sitting up there in the president's box and you see the stadium full on game day, how does that make you feel? makes me feel great. I, uh, it adds a level of excitement when I see that type of engagement, particularly by the students. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great sight to see. And uh, the last game, I, it was both sides of the stadium and the, and, and, the, and the end zone. So it was a great sight to see. I think it gives also inspiration to uh, our whole athletics program, those players on the field, seeing that kind of support, seeing that CMU spirit. Uh, I think it's wonderful for the institution. Uh, we've been on TV for those games, and the world sees us. Uh, when the TV camera spans those stands and sees all that maroon and gold, I think it's a wonderful uh, testimony to who we are and our spirit and competitiveness as an institution. With that in mind, how important is it to you that we maintain our subsidy to athletics uh, as we compete with other universities and budgets become tighter and tighter? You know, uh, uh, we subsidize a number of, you used the term subsidy, a number of operations on this campus. Uh, and uh, as a university, uh, it's not like a, like a business where if you don't have a black bottom line, you don't do it. Uh, there are operations throughout the university uh, that are not, quote unquote, self-supporting. Uh, I would argue, and I, I invite you to, to, uh, to confirm this with the numbers. Uh, as you say subsidy, I think about those 480 students who happen to play intercollegiate athletics. I think about those five to 600 other students like yourselves because of intercollegiate athletics, you're being trained and you're learning. So uh, I think the fact that uh, we're educating students 
and through their participation in intercollegiate athletics, uh, they're learning, they're growing as individuals. I think about the fact that those students who play athletics at CMU graduate at a higher rate. They're out there in productive careers. Uh, I'd say I think about uh, the brand of our university as a rigorous academic institution. That's all combined in what happens in intercollegiate athletics. Great. And, you know, last year, switching back a little bit of gears um, towards on-campus again, last year CMU hosted a series of public forums on diversity and inclusion on campus, uh, beginning with your Walking Together event. Um, what was your goal with that first conversation? Ben, it was a start. I uh, was traveling to a meeting. Um, actually, I was going to Dallas to meet an alum. And uh, I had to stop over in Atlanta. And this was in the, within a few days of uh, the, the demonstrations at the University of Missouri. And it was on my mind. I talked to students and student leaders often on this campus to try to keep my hand on the pulse and how we're doing as an institution and how we relate to students and faculty and community. And I, um, I, I called a couple of people back here on campus in leadership roles and frankly asked, what are you hearing? And while sitting at... Hartsfield-Jackson Airport waiting on my flight, I got a kind of mixed message. We're not really hearing a lot, but maybe hearing something. This I think I want to hear. So it was the beginning. So we pulled that conversation, walking together, talking together, uh, as a university-wide event to uh, speak to students, faculty, and staff about how they're feeling and what they're thinking about what's going on campus related to uh, how we relate to each other as individuals uh, and the differences and how we're coping with it here. It was a start. Uh, it was uh, it led to additional work that we're doing right now on diversity and inclusion. Uh, we are continuing the conversation, uh, and that conversation will lead to action. I'm expecting reports this semester yet. They'll hopefully outline some recommendations um, in areas where we might be able to improve. Uh, I don't never seen anything that was perfect. Uh, I would argue that on our campus versus others I have seen and read about, I don't believe, but this is part of this exercise right now of understanding really, I don't believe we have those level, high levels of tension on our campus, uh, but we're not perfect. Even when I hear that occasional story, it's still too much. So we've got to learn how to understand on our campus uh, that the society in which we live in represents people peoples from all over the world, um, different continents. At CMU right now, we've got students on our campus from all 83 counties in the, in the state of Michigan, 44 of the 50 states, and 61 foreign countries. We're a microcosm of the world. And your reality is students who will soon graduate from CMU will go into a world, we used to term multicultural, but you're going to go out in a world that's basically black, brown, and yellow as far as majority populations. Our campus should sort of look like that because that's the world you're competing in. And I believe that diversity and inclusion makes us all stronger. In the classroom, think about when you study, and I know, I know you guys are pretty smart, so you're studying in groups. The different ideas that come to the table when people from different backgrounds, from different high schools, from different communities, who bring a different way of thinking and problem solving, there's strength there. And that's what I want for CMU.
Definitely. And you know, that is a start. It's a good start. And these are important conversations to have. But what is next? We'll find out. I just said uh, there's a set of recommendations we're expecting to receive yet this semester. It will help us define what is next. You know, in the midst of this year's presidential election, we at Central Michigan Life have been really stressing the importance of young people voting and also just kind of political engagement in general. What, if any, responsibility does a university have to encourage political debate and, most importantly, citizenship? You know, uh, we our, our two or three primary responsibilities to you all as students uh, is to um, prepare you for productive careers. I believe that. Uh, but also to help you to grow uh, personally, intellectually, uh, as you leave here. And even while you're here, those of you who are voting age, part of that personal intellectual de- development is being engaged in the, in the, in the process uh, of, of elections, not only at the presidential level, the gubernatorial level. Uh, it could be your school boards, back in your communities. That's part of governance in your communities. I want you all to be involved in that. We have a big responsibility to educating students, giving them the opportunity to to learn, and encouraging them to participate. Now, you all are smart young men. Read the statistics. Uh, The younger populations across this country vote at a relatively low rate. I'm disappointed in that. I would hope that us as Chippewas would be opposite to that trend. I think it's critically important that you all become engaged, and not just every four years when there's a presidential election. Every election in the district in which you live, I would expect that you all, the Chippewas, will vote. Express your opinion, because you're deciding what's happening in your communities, whether it's, again, school board or city or county or state, in this case, the nation. It's critically important. So. And that leads right into that question. Um, what would you say to students who are considering not voting in this particular election? I think it's a missed opportunity. I think it's irresponsible. Um, I, I get discouraged, and I've heard that said to me by students, you know, we don't like, at the, at the presidential level, we don't like either choice, we're not going to vote. Well, by not voting, you're voting. Uh, you have a civic responsibility uh, to vote, and I don't know how else to say it. And uh, part of being a, uh, again, contributing, <laughs> productive uh, person in your communities, that's an obligation. That's how I think. That's how I was brought up. Uh, long before I became president. That's how I thought first time I voted uh, when I was an undergraduate student. I mean, it's my responsibility to vote. In my case, personally, I, I, can, I can speak to family members engaged in voting rights movement uh, back in the 50s and 60s. And I can speak to family members who have been hurt, jailed, um, a distant cousin who was killed. So it's a right that we fought for is a right that we need to exercise. And again, I think it's our responsibility to vote. As the top executive here, you're obviously a pretty busy guy. So then what do you get personally from interacting with students? Dominic, you've heard me say this, my juice. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I get excited when I get a chance to interact with students. I was, guy uh, walked over here with, uh, with Sherry and, uh, it was funny. We were leaving the library, between the library and Moore, and a couple of students just, just grinning and waving, and I said, Sherry, they're happy to see you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing. It's, uh, it's amazing what a, uh, what a two-minute conversation does because I've gotten very positive feedback from students that I would take the time. But I take the time because it's important. 
we are here as faculty and staff of this university. Again, our number one priority is student success. And if by me taking time, whether it's in a one-on-one conversation or when I do a pizza and Pepsi with the presidents or when I engage student leadership at the house uh, every month, uh, is to find out what students are thinking, uh, what are you feeling, uh, trying to get, again, I used the term, take the pulse of the campus. Um, uh, that's why we're here, and to engage, encourage, uh, and prepare you all. And that's part of what I think I'm supposed to be doing. Can you think of a time when an exchange with a student either profoundly affected you or made you want to change or create a policy here at CMU? I have spoken to students, so I've been president with six and a half years, mm -hmm. and I was here for five years as a vice president for finance, and I engaged students at that point. Um, there have been uh, very, very positive interaction with the students. Um, uh, when students would talk to me about specific situations or policy things that they interpreted as uh, not benefiting them or uh, advocating for them, uh, I've frankly had exchanges where there have been negative uh, instances on this campus. Students have experienced things where they brought it to my attention. Um, I'd have to think long and hard if a student-specific conversation led to a change in policy. Uh, there have been several conversations that have led to pretty serious conversations at the most senior level of this university. And they generally have been around how people are being treated. And... Um, uh, either in the classroom, outside the classroom, in the community. It's typically those interpersonal relationships. Um, I think our policies cover all that, but it's got to be how people act, um, how people treat each other. And the ones more that affect me, and I won't get into that because some of those students may be listening, <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to start talking about any specifics here because they would recognize the story. Uh, most of the stories I've heard have been positive, and not all. And they've all, negative ones have generated conversations I've had with senior leadership here. Definitely. And we've, we have a lot of talented administrators, a lot of talented staff here at the university. And many of those people could be making more money in the private sector if they left. So how do we convince potential employees to continue work in higher education? Well, you know, I, I think you're right at a certain level, at certain positions at our university. Um, uh, that in the corporate side, uh, uh, salary and benefits look differently, and at certain position levels, they look they're higher. Um, when it comes to higher education and education, we're very competitive. Uh, uh, faculty on our campus are paid between 96 and 102 percent of national numbers, averages. Um, our administrators about the same in the middle 90 percent, uh, and that's a metric we go after uh, to at least be competitive in, in our field. Uh, but if someone, in a name of particular ser series of expertise, uh, and they're not in the corporate side, I've always made the assumption over my 30 years in higher education uh, that they're here for part reason because of the mission, what we do uh, in educating and preparing students. So, um, uh, And I believe that because you're right. There, there are certain positions at our university that in the corporate sector would pay a lot more. So... Uh, I, I, I think they're here because of the mission. Great. And, you know, aside from, you know, dedication to the mission and, you know, being paid pretty well, you know, how else do we retain these people? 
Well, I'm going, I'm going back to mission and educating students. Um, uh, there are faculty members who have been here. I, I spoke to one today for coming over here, and he's been here 36, 37 years. Wow. And um, I know this particular faculty member does consulting outside of his classroom activities. I know he could make more money. <laughs> um, can I say his name? Is that allowed? No? She's giving me this look. I won't no, say no. I You know who say. you are. <laughs> you know who you are. Yeah. You know who you are. I was just in my office just before. Anyway, but he's not the exception is my point. There are a number of faculty members I can talk to. There are a number of senior administrators uh, who uh, uh, could take similar positions in, in, in the industry of the corporate side and make more money. But there's a certain amount of satisfaction that comes with uh, being on a campus and being able to influence positively young people's lives. Uh, for me, that culminates about seven times a year with commencement. Uh, and I don't care what you do on the corporate side. And I've been on the corporate side. I've been on in the corporate boardroom. Uh, it's been a few years now, but there's no satisfaction like uh, looking at you all's faces and your parents and your, and your, and your papas and nanas at, at commencement when those diplomas are awarded. And there's a culmination of all that effort all that energy and all that passion, and you've done it. And now you've got in your hand that ticket to go out and uh, put your stamp on the world. I just, uh, gets me excited, so so I'm here. Wonderful. You know, we've previously reported on some of the university's enrollment changes, um, its challenges, reductions in state funding, a bunch of other CMU-specific areas of concern. With that in mind, why would anyone want to be a university president in 2016? <laughs> Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, uh, again, my juice are students, but at the end of the day, I really believe that education uh, transforms lives. It's um, something I read about. It's something that I speak to colleagues about at other campuses. I speak to colleagues about on this campus, on this campus um, and on many campuses, not just here in Mount Pleasant, throughout the country. We, we're at 44 other locations throughout the United States. Um, but education transforms lives. That's, that's why we're here, to help you all transition from... Because when you came here, you were one person, I promise you. I promise you. And you all can nod. They can't see you nodding, but you are different than when you came. And that growth has come out of the interaction with those faculty members and senior leadership and helping you, again, grow, preparing you for those careers and preparing you for those communities that you're going to lead. Transformation is not just a word I live that I read about something I've lived. Uh, I'm, um, I'm the production of a, uh, of a, a farmer. Uh, um, when I talk to students on campus, I ask them about who's from a farm, and they'll raise their hands, and who's from the urban areas they raised. I raise my hand both times. Uh, the reason I got to do what I'm doing now is because of education. Um, my father was a um, sharecropper. Mississippi, third grade education. My mother, I think, got to the seventh grade but didn't finish. Uh, education. I'm one of 12 kids and nobody else. I had eight brothers and three sisters. Nobody else got out of high school in my family. It was education and teachers, eventually professors along the way, that helped me, that encouraged me. If it wasn't for the opportunity of education, I wouldn't be president of anything. And I'm sitting here now on the backs of those faculty members and those 
staff members who encouraged me along the way that education will make a difference. And if I can become president, this poor country kid from a cotton firm in Mississippi with no formal education in my family, there's no reason. So when I say to students, you can do anything, it's not about something I read. It's about something I have lived. So it's important to me that students get opportunities and the best educational opportunities possible because you can literally change the world. Definitely. And, uh, you know, in this conversation, you have described instances where you've done a fair amount of listening. Um, and, you know, at CM Life, we really value our role as a communication tool between students and the administration. Do you yourself and your administration read CM Life regularly? I know members of my administration do. I can't say I read it regularly. I don't read very many newspapers regularly. Uh, I'm typically pointed towards things to read, given the volume of reading I have to do. Uh, so it's, if it's breaking news and, and pick a publication or pick, pick an electronic media, if it's breaking news, I'm directed to it. Um, um, I'll tell you honestly, my, my news sources are uh, a quick look at um, uh, Detroit Free Press and Detroit News. Uh, when I say quick, inside of 15 minutes is between those two and, and uh, maybe sometimes the Washington Post or, or the Wall Street Journal. Um, but typically, my reading for news is, is, is directed towards me because somebody out there is reading it. So, yeah, somebody's reading in the administration CM Life on a pretty regular basis. Uh, but it's not necessarily me. But, again, I don't read the free press as regularly as I'd like or, or the Wall Street Journal either. But uh, I'm typically directed because... Uh, one of the challenges for me as president is keeping up with the reading. Um, I'd like to just read a Stephen King novel, which I haven't done in two years, which is <laughs> yeah, my favorite thing to read. But you and us both. I, I can't get to it. So uh, either he or Dean Koontz, but I, I can't get to it. So anyway. Allow us to catch, catch you up then on, uh, on the campus paper here. Our most recent cover story uh, for, the, for the homecoming edition was a profile on uh, football head coach John Bonamigo. In that story, he said that this here at CMU is the first and last head coaching job at a Division I school that he plans to take. He plans to retire at Chippewa. What's your plan? I'll tell you how I met John. Uh, so John, when he was interviewing, he, uh, I learned after the fact uh, he had come up from the Detroit area. He was still coaching for the Detroit Lions. And uh, we literally met at my home one evening, and he walks in, dark blue suit, very professional. Had a nice conversation. I found out later he had changed clothes at the McDonald's over on Pickard and Mission. Oh, man. Because <laughs> he's been coaching all day. A very Mount Pleasant uh, situation. Yeah, uh, really. He came to see the president. But in that conversation, uh, uh, he said that this was his dream job. He told me that over and over again. And we had confirmed through the application process and talking to uh, coaches, head coaches he had worked for. And we're talking about coaches in Green Bay and New Orleans and Miami and uh, and Jacksonville, and they, they said to us, this is all Bonamigo's ever talked about, being head coach at Central Michigan for 16 years is all they ever talked about. So I kind of brought some of that up to him and said, uh, then he said something to me. I think he said, uh, President Ross, I want to win 100 games at Central Michigan University. I said, Coach Bonamigo, that could take 10 years or more. He just smiled and said, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I think John's been great. Uh, for our program, he's in his second year as a head coach. Uh, uh, I think he'll do great. Uh, I would love for John to retire at Central. Uh, I look forward to uh, uh, a few MAC championships under his tutelage. I look forward to uh, a few bowl games and 
and uh, a few W's down the road. Uh, but when it comes to athletics, when I talk to coaches, and I talked to John that night as I've talked to other coaches, there are four things I want out of athletics at CMU. And I, I just explained it to John this way, first time meeting him. Number one, um, when you talk about athletics at Central Michigan University, number one, number one priority for the president is that they are students. And don't lose track of that. There's not an athlete who plays intercollegially on this campus who's not a student first and they came here for an education. Number two, we don't cheat. We've never had a major violation in all the years they've tracked major violations. We were only one of 13 Division I programs. You play by the rules of the NCAA, by the university, and by athletics. We don't cheat. I said, number three, I said to John, he's sitting there very attentively. Number three, I need you to help me raise money. <laughs> all my coaches, not just football, Number four, I've tried winning and I've tried losing. I like winning better. So I've said that. I believe that. Um, I'm proud of our coaches and our athletes. Uh, uh, we compete. Uh, we graduate students who happen to play intercollegiate athletics. But Coach Bonamigo's plan is to retire here. I'm wondering what yours is. Depends on what Elizabeth says it is. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> For your listener, that's my wife, Mrs. Ross. Yes. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I uh, There's some things I want to do and uh, and also uh, hopefully see in grandchildren in my future one of these days. My daughter and son-in-law, are, are, I keep not pressuring them, but asking <laughs> about grandkids. I, I want to do the best possible job I can for our students and, and um, for our faculty staff, for all those alumni out there. Um, uh, we've got some big things going on right now around uh, uh, bringing together our global campus and main campus into one CMU, uh, you know, really recharging our online academic programming. Uh, this year, a major upgrade of our, or up, not upgrade, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, refresh of our strategic plan. And uh, so there are major efforts going on. I mentioned the new facility. Uh, coming down the road. Um, what I want to do is continue to lead this great university uh, and, and continue uh, to prepare students and transform lives. Uh, I don't have a timeline. Well, I'm afraid we're out of time. We'd like to thank President Ross again for taking the time to join us today. Uh, that's all for this edition of Headline Central. Thanks for listening. Thank you all. Bye-bye.